name's David Vardabedian. Thanks so much for tuning in to Get Real Sobriety. Hope you enjoy this show. Hello and welcome to Get Real Sobriety. Another beautiful Sunday here in Santa Barbara, California. We're at the Alano Club. I'm here with Adam Burridge, an old friend of mine that um, we've known each other, God, forever. Um, Adam is the program manager for CADA. It's uh, the Council on Drug and Alcoholism here in Santa Barbara. And they have a bunch of different programs like um, you know, Project Recovery and the Drop-In Center. And he runs kind of the detox. Um, just to give a little history on Adam, my relationship with Adam is I worked at a... Um, I don't know, drug and alcohol youth program called Kleinbottle in the 90s. And they had a runaway shelter. And I was like a drug and alcohol counselor. And Adam showed up there at 15. How old are you now? 43. 43, yeah. And um, uh, so that was our introduction. And, you know, throughout the years, how much sobriety do you have now? Eight years. Eight years, yeah. And so, um, you know, there was that journey from 15 to 8 minus 43 is 35 years old, you know. So that's 20 years of out there ripping and running, you know. So, um, yeah, we've known each other. I, I remember him out there running with another friend of mine that, you know, when they were both getting loaded. and But... You know, I don't remember, I remember it kind of, you know, because there were so many kids, but what's your memory of that Kleinball experience? It was, it was cool. It was, so it was a, it was a, a program where if you attended, you could avoid potentially going back to juvenile hall, right? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're and, good. And so, uh, you know, it was, it was cool. I remember there was a guy named Scott there. That was oh, yeah. a nice guy, yeah. you know. Uh, it seemed like everybody that worked there was in it for the right reasons, like really trying to. Yeah, I don't think Scott kids. was in recovery. He was just he was. A, he was like a Christian guy. Yeah, you know, good guy, good guy. But yeah, it was cool. You know, it was. Uh, it was a safe place. Right, and so at, when we met, yeah, I remember that. I remember taking you to meetings or something. Do you remember? Did we came I, here? Right? I, yeah, and I was gonna touch on that, and I and so I met you, and you volunteered to pick me. I was going to I think probation school, and you volunteered to come pick me up at like eleven thirty. They let me out a couple minutes early, right. and you would we would come here for the noon meeting. Yeah. And I mean, this place was totally different then. Yeah. Smoking. Yeah, you know I know. I mean? right. There was a smoking section. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, it was. It was a whole different Alano Club. Yeah, I know. It's so crazy how things have evolved. It's just, I, I love the building, though. It's just such a cool place, you know. But yeah. it's kind of gotten a different dynamic. Um, yeah, so I that was called uh, V. Esperanza or something, yeah. the probation school. It was at Juvenile Hall. You weren't inside the Juvenile Hall, but you had to go to that. It right was downstairs, yeah. High school there, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the kids, I remember at that point, I mean, I didn't, it wasn't like I was above that, but everyone was kind of fucking, they'd always challenge you. I remember people that weren't, you know, I went to juvenile, you know, and so I had all the history of like everyone being a fucking asshole, right? Yeah. And so, 
I remember this lady told me she ran out of there crying, like all the kids like just tortured her so much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, well, how much yeah. do you make, bitch? You know, yeah. like what it was just awful. And so yeah. but yeah, we built a rapport and I don't even know like how long of it how long that you know time span that was you know i don't think it was very long maybe you know two or three months but i can you know like i can remember you just grabbing my skateboard and jumping on it yeah and like cruising around the parking lot yeah, it's yeah. like little things like that that create those little connections yeah you know like oh this dude skates right fucking cool man <laughs> you know what i mean right. none of the other probation officers were trying to skate with me right right <laughs> and then like so you didn't get any substantial sobriety at that time did you no, not at that, no. Right. No. You're still, I mean, how were you, like, getting around the testing and stuff? I mean, so that was the cool thing with Klein Bottle. Oh, wow. So here's the hustle, right? Okay. Uh, you guys, they didn't go in the bathroom with you. But if you tested there twice a week, you'd never had to test at probation. Oh, wow. So just visine bottle with water and yellow food coloring. Yeah. In in the in the underwear, like, yeah. flap or whatever, in the boxer. Oh, so you wouldn't like uh, try to flush or anything? You no, just... I do, I definitely did. But once someone told me that you could just do it like that, I mean, yeah, what's the I, point? I mean, sitting in class on a bunch of niacin, turning bright red, and I mean, who wants to go through all that? Right, right. And then uh, Scott, that guy Scott, got hip to it somehow. He must have known I was I was stoned or something. Right. You know what I mean? And he and caught he, you. He you... tested the temperature, and he's like, "This isn't." <laughs> I was like, uh, "Come on, bud! Yeah. <laughs> you, know? uh, you, you got the job. Just leave me alone." Yeah, right? yeah, that's fucked up. And so they, so you got exited from the program or something? Yeah. Did you have to go to juvenile hall then? Or? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, what did you get busted for? Do you remember? Uh, well, originally, uh, it was just for like minor stuff. Uh, the the first time that I that I like ever really got arrested. It was for, uh, just for weed, right. you know, but then you, you know, it, it's like, I didn't want to stop smoking and it stayed in my system for so long. I kept getting dirties. And so then you would, it would be like a weekend in juvenile hall, a week in juvenile hall, two weeks, then climb bottle, then, you know, a month. And then I got busted in, in IV with like a, with a butterfly knife. And back then that was like a felony. Yeah. And it was like a big, and they and plus made, you're already on probation. And I'm on probation. <laughs> You know, so Just they, like, a, made this big old deal out of it. Vicious cycle. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's still pretty young. And, you know, I, and if I mention this, I mean, I knew your mom because right. she was the nurse at City College, right? And she worked there forever, you know. And we and I met your mom through you, and then we had developed a relationship. And throughout that time, it wasn't like you came from... Like you know, like the fucking body or anything. You were, you had a pretty mm. nice, you know. Your mom treated you well, and yeah. So my my kind of upbringing is, uh, you know, my mom and dad they did really well for themselves. My mom was a nurse right out of school, and then my dad owned his own business. He's an industrial designer. He was successful here, um, and then um, there there were some issues when I was around like ten. Um, and uh they they ended up getting divorced and like it was a it was kind of it was a big deal for the whole family um my mom got super depressed you know so like i remember like coming home from school and her just all the lights out like kind of in the bathrobe just didn't want to 
you know, and ask her what's for dinner. And she'd just be like, you know, I cooked for a family for 18 years. Like, go find something to eat. Like, it was, it was, it was, right. it was crazy. And, um, and that affected you. I mean, as a 10 year old kid, right? I just didn't really know what to do. And, and like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I love my dad, but he's a busy guy. He works a lot, you know? So, like, he was working and stuff. And, and I would hang out there on the weekends and stay at mom's on the weeks. And I, you know, already I think I'm just a young drug addict learning how to manipulate things. So I'm mm-hmm. like sliding through the cracks. What can I pull over? And then uh, my mom just snapped out of that depression. Like, you know, she's like a strong, strong woman. And, and she, I, I don't know, it just happened. She's like, I'm going back to college. I'm never going to have to depend on anyone for anything ever. Take care of myself. And she did. I think she was 50 when she went back to school or something like that. Oh, wow. or, or 45 or, or but something. But she already had her nursing thing, right? Yeah, she had her nursing thing. She went back to college, got a degree in communications, and then went and got a job in the nursing department at City College. Right. You know? Yeah, that's when I remember her. And uh, <clears throat> that's, that's when you, yeah, that's probably right around the time like I met you, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So that, that gap when she was going to college, though, was like enough wiggle room for me to start, like, you know yeah because now you're on like, I was just a, cruising right you get to come home do your own thing what um so we're talking a 20 year span so yeah. did you ever graduate from high school or VS I got my or? GED in the California Conservation Corps oh that's right yeah, yeah I remember when you got to that and then you know and obviously we kind of lost touch at that point Sure. And then you, it, when was your like first attempt, like real attempt at sobriety? First real attempt, I was twenty one. Oh wow! And I, and I mean, like, I saw you at the roasting company parking lot, yeah. and you're like, "What are you doing, dude?" And I was like, "I'm doing good. I'm just cruising." And you're like, "Are you sober?" I'm like, "I'm just smoking weed, man." Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. right. You're like, "That ain't fucking sober, bro." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Well, all right." And you're like, "Go to that Thursday night meeting." Oh, right, the dog, or legs. the legs, yeah. Yeah, and it mm-hmm. was by Rudy's shop mm-hmm. and downstairs. And yeah. Fuck, that was an intense. In the Church of Skating. Yeah, right? Church yeah, of Skating. Yeah. Yeah. Before it was like, Church of Skating. Yeah. Big old dude at the door, like, what's up, brother? Yeah. Welcome, yeah. like, fuck, <laughs> where am I at right now? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And 21, you're still a kid, basically. Yeah. 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 So did you put any time together at that point? Yeah, yeah. that time I, uh, I did... I did good. I mean, well, I did. I mean, I did. Like, so I got a sponsor. I followed direction, worked the steps, started sponsoring people. I made it like 20 months. Oh. Yeah, but I was, you know, I was doing jujitsu too. And <clears throat> and I got kind of caught up in in it. And I, and I was, we got the opportunity to go to Brazil and compete in the world championships. And, uh, you know, I, I just, my ego kind of came back. Yeah, yeah we forgot, sidebar, forgot to mention that Adam is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Is that, do I call it right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. And he always invites me to, like, I'm like, dude, the last <laughs> thing I want to do at my age is roll around on the floor and get choked to death. Right? Yeah. But it is fine. And he's an amazing, you know, obviously black belt. Um, so after that, what, you just kind of got away from the program? I, I, yeah, I just, you know... It's like what you hear people say. It's like the same old story. Uh, stop praying. Stop calling my sponsor. Stop going to meetings. Right. <laughs> I mean, the formula. That's all it like takes. Every, you know what I mean? Everyone. It's, I swear to God. It's like everything. It's always the same. 
You yeah. know, I, I lack, I slacked on my meetings. I, you know, I thought I had, you know, I don't even know if to say if like, oh, I thought I think I had it licked. It was just, you get busy in life and you get busy in sports or whatever, and you just kind of get away from it. And, uh, and then, so after that 20 month period, how long did it take you to get back? Back to, oh, like, uh, four and a half years. Wow. And I mean, like, it, it kicked off. I mean, like, after I relapsed, I thought it would be cool and I could just, like, smoke weed and drink. I was at the methadone clinic in, like, three weeks. Wow. I mean, it's like that, yeah, yeah. you know? And it happens to some people like that. You know, I know, you know, obviously I've dealt with tens of thousands of people, but I, you know, it's so weird. Like, some people are periodics. Like, I know this guy, he's like, after nine years, he started drinking. He's like, yeah, I had a beer. I was on a surf trip in Costa Rica and I had a beer. I'm like, okay. He goes, yeah, nothing's happening. But within six months, he was like on a pill, powder, booze, mm-hmm. hooker, run. It's like, end up in the county jail. Yeah. So that's kind of the, you know, the fucked up part of the disease is where it, it's, not, it's not like, you know, tailored for every person. Like someone might go six months, you know. I'm the kind of guy like you is I'll end up and, you know, fucking doing robberies and end up back in penitentiary or something you know but um so so then you're 35 and you right and uh, is that 30 when you're subs- 30 i yeah but i i i think it was thir- i feel like it was 30 maybe 34 okay um and then you were you were just done you were just fucking- i just got lucky i got the last time i got out of jail so like uh <clears throat> i tried to get sober again kind of uh i i got i got a uh, released to project recovery outpatient and go to new house and i went but i didn't i didn't really like participate in new house you know like i was just you were just there just there to get the heat off it's like the same old story you know what i mean and uh it was cool because it gave me an introduction to new house kind of like you gave me that introduction to aa so when i knew when i was ready where i needed to go to do it you know but uh yeah i wouldn't participate in any of the functions i wouldn't eat with the fellas i wouldn't i would just do my chore pay someone to do my dish duty make sure i tested clean and you know like i had other stuff going uh and i but you still stayed so i did i stayed sober for um i stayed sober for that time like 15 months and uh, i was at the grad house and i hurt my back really bad and like uh I got pri- prescribed Norcos and Somas, and I went to the house manager and said, like, dude, this is a pain's like, unbearable. You know, I, and it was legitimate pain. I had two herniated discs. The doctor told me we were going to have to do surgery. There's no way around it. Um, <clears throat> but the first time I took that medication, I, I just said, fuck it, and took, like, four. Right. And I just remember thinking, like, just, like, it's, it's gone. Like, there goes that. Mm-hmm. The sobriety's over. You know, and it, that's really typical with people with injuries. You know, yeah, and people getting behind the eight ball on, you know, opiates, and I mean, and yeah. then the opiate, you know, the pills run out, and then they get heroin on the street. So after that, that was a slip from there. That wasn't so that, and so then that was. I think I was twenty six at that time. Mm. That was you know until I ran into you at that dude's house on the Mesa, mm-hmm. and like that was kind of like the tail end. Like I was pretty over it right at that time. You know, just like hustling seemed like 
so much work. Right. Oh, it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. dude. They always say the easier, softer way. I'm like, fuck, no, that's the harder you know, way. Yeah. It's out there trying to get well every day. It's just it's it's torture. Just, yeah. And I mean, like, luckily, I, you know, growing up here, like, I had a lot of people that really looked out for me. So, yeah. like, it never got, like as bad as I hear some people say, but like the, the spiritual malady, like the emptiness, because I remembered what it was like to be sober. And like the first time, yeah. I mean, like, I just knew like, um, you know, do, did you have that thing? You know, they always say, you know, I, I had a head full of AA and I was just fucking with me. I don't know about that. I never had necessarily like a head full of AA. I just knew that like, there was a better way to live. Right, And I was so much happier when I was living that way. You know, because naturally I'm uncomfortable in my skin. Unless I'm connected and doing the, the, the maintenance stuff, I'm like just naturally uncomfortable in my skin. Mm-hmm. I'm just an uncomfortable person. Right. You know what I mean? Social anxiety and, and all that. <clears throat> so the drugs definitely, you know, heroin and meth and Xanax make me feel comfortable so I can right. operate and get yeah. stuff done, you know. But even at... At the end, it's like it. It's just like you said. Now I'm just getting well, and it, it was just it was yeah, just it's all a, bad. It's, just, it's a it's a hard life. I, I mean, like I was relieved the last time I went to jail. Mm-hmm. So like grateful, like dude, maybe this will be it. Well, it's funny because I remember not even knowing you were jujitsu, but like I came to our friend's shop over there, and you guys were there, and yeah. you were all loaded and stuff, and yeah. I was yelling at our other buddy, and then yeah. You know, I remember saying, like, fuck both of you guys or something. And, like, you're like, really, fuck you. Like, I think you're just like, he's still, like, the older brother. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I remember that time, and that was kind of the end. And then did you go back into Newhouse at that point? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I went to jail for a while uh, and got out briefly and then went right back. And then, and then luckily, like, things just, you know, like... Uh, so a guy I really respect, say, he always said, talks about these things like seconds and inches. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, or, or like, I guess, slender threads. I don't know. Everything just lined up for me. I went to Newhouse. The day after I got out, there was a bed. Uh, and, and like, uh, I got with a good sponsor that really worked with me the way, like, I didn't need some dude, like, drill sergeant style. Right. You know, I needed a guy like you mm-hmm. that's been a dope fiend but is 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 really trying to change their life kind of guide me through it with like respect and patience yeah you know yeah i think my sponsor was like that i just didn't know any different but if he was going to be like you know you fucking degrade me or something <laughs> i like, can't do it you man. know like the guys are like you have less of ready to get in the back seat i just sock everybody in the <laughs> fucking car but um yeah, yeah it was so weird because he you know, I mean, not to go into myself, but Pete O'Brien was a guy, and he came up to the visiting yard every two weeks yeah. in my last year that I had gotten sober in prison, and he was just like this happy-go-lucky. You know, I don't even ever smoked a joint before, and he would just give me assignments as they went, and I had enough humility and enough willingness to do it. You know, and so <laughs> that you know, but look at, I guess that works for some people, and. uh then you were at Newhouse for a while, and then you like became the assistant manager. You kind of followed in my footsteps. In yeah, that, right? I went. Uh, st- they started me in the kitchen, you know, because they were going to take their time with me yeah. over there. We're like, well, let's right. start them in the kitchen and just see like what really goes on with right. this guy. And then like the uh, the maintenance manager position opened up, 
and I got that, and then the the program manager, and then I I made it to the senior manager position. And Gordon's just he's an awesome guy. He was definitely like a mentor for me too. Yeah. So like again, like everything kind of lined up. I was surrounded by just like pillars. How long you did know? you stay there? Three like, years. Three years. That's kind of what I did. Yeah. 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 And uh, and then you went up to manager. How long were you the manager there? I was the senior manager for like a year and a half. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's in that did you know what I did is I took advantage of that job to go back to school. You know, yeah. I did that at the same. I think we talked about we did. that. I remember. I was like, dude, do it now. Do it That's now. That's what you told me. Right. Do and it I now. I just I couldn't wrap my head around doing both at the same time. Right. Like I wanted to. I knew I was going to do it, but I wanted to focus on just that. Yeah. You know. And I probably lacked on my job and did that anyway, you know, because yeah. being the manager, you know, you had like Wednesday or you went shopping on Wednesday and all of that. But so after that year and a half, then you went back to school. Right? Yeah. So you have to, yeah, three years there. I went back to school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and what did you study? Alcohol and drug counseling program, mm-hmm. the right. AOD or, yeah. And so... I mean, it's, you know, and I want to get into a little bit more about what we were talking about earlier is that where did you, because now you're, he's the manager, you know, program manager for this local detox. It's a medical detox. But did you work other places as a counselor before that, like Project Recovery or anything like that? Mm-mm. So at the end of uh, one of the last classes at City College, when you're going through the the AOD program is they call, they they say you know I think it's called clinical supervision or something mm-hmm. um, and you got to get your hours uh, so I had been in the program that I'm that I run now as a client and I got kicked out because I was you know went in super just dying yeah and fucking someone gave me this was before you were allowed to have suboxone there someone gave me some suboxones and i just couldn't say no like i'm not making an excuse i was just so sick i you know i take full responsibility for my actions i was Mm -hmm. just like dude yeah and then you know the next thing they know i'm outside doing burpees and the guy's like bro (laughs) what changed (laughs) (laughs) and i was like yeah you know my bad and uh and I was honest about it. I didn't try to put up a big fight. And so, and so they said, when they, I saw the guy at the food bank when I was working for Newhouse, and he's like, when it comes time to get your hours, hit me up. Like, I, I got you. You can come come get your hours with us. You were, you were honest to me, and I respect that. Right, because you have to intern. You have what, to intern. What, 2,000 hours? Or? Well, for the class, it's like 18 hours a week. But to get, uh, to get registered, so before you can take state board... Well, it depends what credentialing agency you go through. But for the one I went through, you needed, I think it's 2,200 hours right. before you can go take state. Yeah. Wow. So you got all your hours at that place. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then you, so you were working, obviously working there, getting your hours. And then when did it transition into what it is now? So you took the state board, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm guessing. Th- about three years ago, they changed over to what's called the Medi-Cal ODS waiver, so Medi-Cal Organized Delivery System, and that's uh, it's basically a state-funded program, right? You know, so anybody with 
county specific, so Santa Barbara County Medi-Cal can go can go to treatment there. Yeah, and it and, doesn't cost them a dime. Right? Mm-mm. And so, uh, so, but is it a medical detail? It is not a medical, and so Medi-Cal, the right, not medical, right? No. But I mean, so if someone is detox, do they do it where they, a doctor comes and prescribes them and, and they go through a titration? Or? So what, what, what happens, so there's two, there's two levels of care. Uh, withdrawal management, they call it 3.2, and, and residential treatment. And so in withdrawal management, it's, it's basically detox for five to seven days. And um, these clients are meeting with their primary care physician prior to entering treatment uh, to get medically cleared and the doctors will prescribe them what they see fit for these clients to make it through withdrawal management. And so how many how many beds are there? 12. 12 beds and they're always full. For the most, yeah, I mean, I mean, through like, COVID and all that shit, right? I, well, we we had to go on a couple quarantines where where the state said you can't bring anyone in until everyone's clear, right? You know, but it's yeah, there's always people ready to come into treatment. I mean, I can't fill the beds fast enough. If a person leaves today, I could potentially schedule you know an intake on. Is there on like a waiting list now? Now that COVID's kind of waning, it's like yeah, uh, there's always been. There, there's always been, yeah, a list. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, I think that's great. I mean, it's so needed in the community and that, you know, kind of, not the topic of what we wanted to talk about was, you know, my whole, you know, I've been, I've worked in treatment for, you know, forever, you know, I kind of work loosely in it. I still have, you know, I, I mean, I don't even say I work in it. I still, you know, I'm obviously sponsoring guys, but I'm always trying to place people. I mean, my name, a lot of people know in the community, they'll call, hey, you know, my son or my daughter or my brother or my husband or my wife needs to get into treatment. You know, and the first question I ask is what kind of insurance do you yeah. have? You know, yeah. because what do we have here? We have CRC, yeah. Cottage Residential Treatment, mm-hmm. which is a, a good treatment center. I mean, they've been around forever. I mean, it was Pinecrest back when I was working at Newhouse in the 90s. They're great. Yeah. I mean, they are. Yeah, it's a good treatment. <clears throat> it's great. Place. Yeah, it's a great but, place. But, you know, if you don't have, I don't know, whatever Blue Cross, Blue Shield or mm-hmm. whatever good insurance that will cover it, it's fucking what, like two grand a day or something? I, I think it's no, maybe not two grand. It's like is sixteen hundred? Yeah, I think it 1600 is sixteen hundred. I think, a day. but I don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm not one hundred percent. Right, it's something like that. But I think you know, I had a guy I was working with. I'm trying to get him placed. He had insurance, and still the copay was like four grand. Yeah, so that's all well and good for those people, right? But. You know, a majority of the, I want to say a majority, but, you know, 60% of the people I talk to, they're like, we don't have any, you know. You talk to a dope fiend, I mean, even if his family's not involved, or even the family doesn't have that kind of money, you know. So I had a guy, and he was like, I'm ready. And so, you know, thank God he didn't, you know, it's like you tell a dope fiend or an alcoholic, okay, you're ready, let's get him in the car and take them there but that's not the case i mean you have to go through some changes you know you have to call that 1-800 medical number and and if if they live in ventura they can't come to santa barbara yeah and so there are some hoops that you have to jump through and you know thank god we have it at that level 
but this guy could never get him in, you yeah. know? And so, and he just needed a detox and then he, it was strictly alcohol, you know, it wasn't benzos or anything that would be more gnarly, right? right. So his mom agreed I think we went to Tarzana. Yeah. Or Tar- That's like going to LA County Jail or something. It's like the Isn't gnarliest it? rehab. It's been around. My friend is, it went there in the 70s. Yeah. You know, Tarzana's been around forever. And so, and it's, there's a million people. And, and he actually went there, you know. Great guy, he's a surfer guy. He had no idea. And he's like, dude, this, that was like worse than jail. But it served its purpose. So he stayed. They paid like three grand for a week. Then he came to Newhouse and he was good. He stayed there about six or seven months. Nice. So I think that's, uh, you know, I, I, I got an article published in The Independent that was like, you know, and so I talked a little bit about, you know, the war on drugs opposed to treatment. And um, not that a lot of people don't know that. I just want to touch on that a little bit is that they have this opiate epi- epidemic, you know, now it was oxy, is it how you say it, oxycotton, condon, and then now it's like fentanyl, there's fentanyls and everything. So I think the point that I'm making, not to give you it, the listeners like, you know, what's happening out on the streets, everybody knows that, that's, that dope's never gonna go away. No. I don't care. And I know a lot of people make a lot of money on the war on drugs, and great. You know, I'm not going to even get into that politically. But I'm just saying, you know, divert 1% of that money that you're putting into the war on drugs, because who's the fucking enemy? You're never going to stop the influx of drugs if there's a demand in the United States, sure. you know, or in the world. And so, you know, my whole, you know, soapbox is that we need to we need to uh, make available more treatment centers where when Bardo says, I'm ready for treatment, we put them in the car and go. Yeah. You know, and then maybe there's a room where they go through the processing. And I know it's just so fucking political and so crazy that we can't get to that point somehow, or maybe we will get to that point. But you were talking about a couple of new programs that are that that just came out right tell me a little bit about yeah, that. yeah so we're currently trying to <clears throat> uh looking at talking about opening a, another facility which would you know potentially hold another 12 or or so i i we haven't discussed numbers but i know Kata's interested in looking in another location um so i'm really hoping we can we can open something up so we can help accommodate people you well, know, wasn't there something you said like the state now allocates four people on heroin? What were those? Oh, two? So, so yeah, those uh, two new things. The, the, there's a there's something now called a stimulant grant. What is it? It's a it's a stimulant grant. A stimulant grant. And okay. so, if your primary is a stimulant, or if your your primary is an opiate and your secondary is a stimulant, then we can bring you into treatment under this grant. Okay, and, and so they allocated. It doesn't matter if you're undocumented. Doesn't matter, no right. insurance, doesn't matter where you live. Oh, wow. You know? And that just came down the pike, you said. We started running it November last year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So and I don't know how long the grant will last. Like, you know, I don't deal with that side right. of things. They, so there's it, there's money allocated for the stimulant. I thought you were saying like stimulus, but it's like people on... Stimulant. Yeah, stimulants yeah. like meth, yeah. coke. Right. Adderall, any of that stuff, right? Yeah. And if opiates connected, that's fine too. Sure. 
But if you came in and said, no, I didn't do Adderall or meth, I just did opiates, that's grants unavailable for that. Right? That's correct. Okay. So, I mean, that's great. That's a start, yeah. you know? And I don't know, like, what's your biggest frustration? Like when, you know, people call or they call Scotty or Daryl or whoever yeah. and, and, and they go, yeah, we don't have any insurance. We're ready to go right now. It's, it's like you said. I mean, I know that... Um when someone's ready to go, they might not be ready to go in even an hour. Exactly. You know? Right. So, it, and when I got to tell them they have to wait a specific amount of time and they have to go do this, 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 you know, it, it's uh, it's sad, you know? And I deal, I talk to a lot of people's family members that are crying and pleading with me and, and I wish I could just say, bring them down. Yeah. You know, let's go. And And in a perfect world, we would have... You know, like a nurse practitioner or a doctor on site, you know, it'd be like a one-stop shop. Yeah. Just come in, get them medically cleared right there. That person can prescribe whatever medication they see fit, and they come into treatment, you know? But, I uh, think that, yeah, like in my perfect world, I would have, okay, get them in the car, let's go down, <laughs> yeah, let's and then go. we have them in this one wing or one room or in, where they fill out all the paperwork, where they do all the shit, whether it's processed, and then even if they don't apply, then like there would be some kind of grant where, okay, you know, yeah. because again, going back to that war on drugs is that, yeah, there is, a, you know, a definitely opiate problem, a meth problem, a fentanyl problem, all of that in the United States, but fighting the the stuff that's coming in will never stop you know it's just you know in my economic class it's supply and demand as long as there's a demand for something someone's going to supply it mm -hmm. you know whether it's pablo escobar or chapo guzman or whoever it is it's you know that's never going to stop right so my idea and again not pollyannish or just like oh rainbows and unicorns like everyone gets treatment not everyone's going to get it either you know, but I think the point is, is that we need more availability to treatment. Yeah, you know? I, I definitely agree with you. You mm -hmm. know, the more the better. Yeah. The more the better. And what you guys are doing, I mean, that's great that they might even open up another facility. Yeah. Because what is like the Sally? Like they have something, but what is that? The uh, Salvation Army, I say the Sally, yeah. So. Do you know anything about that? I do. Yeah. Uh, the Salvation Army right now, I believe, is just running uh, like transitional housing. But it's not like a medical detox or anything like that, right? To my knowledge, at this point, it's not. Right. But so you got, it's not like so you go into Five East, that's a medical detox, right? Right, right. And no, so they, they were never a medical detox. Um, and, and like. Like right now, they're they're just running like their transitional housing programs. Right. So they're not even doing like the residential treatment oh, or I withdrawal see. management anymore. So for South County, it's just us for Medi-Cal funded beds. Mm -hmm. Well, so I just want to make a, a clarification. One, a lot of people might not know. Well, what's the difference between medical detox and just detox? Well, someone comes in and they're strung out on alcohol and they need to titrate, you know, be detoxed off of alcohol with meds, you know, yeah. or if they're uh, addicted to opiates or, or benzos or, or Adderall or whatever it is, 
they can't, you know, just cold turkey. Yeah, we've done it because we go to jail and do it, which is awful. But I, I think when you come in, like a doctor would be there and they would prescribe them so a certain amount and then it would be dispensed. So that's a medical detox opposed to a, what they call a social model detox right. where there is no you know, doctor or anything. Um, and then a residential program is is like CRC or what you have because even at CRC, they send them to the hospital, our local cottage, you know, cottage hospital here. And there's a, a wing or a, a, what do they call it, five bath now. Yeah. And they stay there five days or however long it takes. Yeah. Right? And then they send them to the 28-day program. Right. So, you know, we need more medical detox because a lot of people just, you know, I mean, it's almost dangerous to just say, well, yeah, just don't take anything. Yeah, so for like our program, people that are coming into to withdrawal management, they'll meet with their primary care physician and they'll get medically cleared and the doctor will prescribe them the medication, which is kept under lock and key. And we monitor them, you know, and, and, and log what they take, when they take, so they can get through the, the first five days, you know, because um, alcohol and, and, uh, and benzo um, withdrawal can be fatal. Yeah. Right. So we know that, and so we want to make sure no one, you know, no one dies. dies. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but then after that, when we transition them to to residential treatment, we're still taking them out in the community, uh, providing linkage to, you know, whatever appointments they need. You know, whether it's physical, mental, uh, we, we we get them linked up with housing. Uh, if a, a client, you know, comes in and creates a treatment plan and on their treatment plan goals, they say, I want to get my knee checked out. I want to see a therapist for trauma. I want to reapply to city college and I want to go to sober living. So we'll get them linked up to. So what we do is we we sit with them and teach them how to make those initial connections and then we monitor them and follow up with them as they do it so we get them to their appointments but we're training them because like a lot of people uh specifically my clients they haven't done things like that for themselves in a really long time right you know and what how long can you stay at your program three months three months yeah okay how many people stay that whole three months uh maybe 30 percent 30 percent yeah another question is how many people transition into sober living we try to transition everybody everybody like we we really we we really encourage them Mm -hmm. to go to sober living because the statistics are so much higher if you go to like residential treatment and then sober living for three to six months i mean it really boosts yeah but uh, i i want to say uh 70 percent probably 70 percent yeah probably transition to sober living and sober living different you know for the listeners that don't know uh sober living is is now you transition from being residential treatment where you're there now you can go to work now you're you know you still have a network you have responsibilities there's curfew and like we're kind of talking about new house or stalwart or all-star whatever we have in santa barbara um it's so funny. I remember I was in some treatment facility. I didn't even know what sober living was. I just thought I'm like, you know, I'll spend like 30 days here. And then, and the counselor kept saying, you know, we're suggesting sober living. And I'm like, I'm not going to fuck that. I, I, 
this is, I'm just doing this, yeah. you know, obviously I didn't stay sober, but and he kept asking, I go, dude, if you mention sober living one more time, I'm leaving today. Yeah. I'm not going to sober living and having no idea. And I remember re- uh, reading um, some research paper when I was working at the jail and it says, I mean, you know, the longer someone stays in treatment, whether it's, you know, residential treatment to sober living to IOPs or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, intensive outpatient programs, the better the outcome, obviously, you know, and so someone listening today, I guess, you know, because this podcast goes, you know, all over the world. And, you know, I saw someone was listening in Nigeria. That's awesome. I was like, stoked. Dude. Yeah. I was like, yeah. and I mean, everywhere, all over the world. And that's what it's almost invasive because I can see when they're listening, what time I can see you're in your living room. Not really, but like what <laughs> what platform that you, you know, Spotify or, you know, um, it's, you know, whatever else in with Apple podcast, but um, what would you tell? Cause it, they can't really be out of the County for you yeah, guys. For so us, yeah. what's the process? Like if someone's like, dude, I'm listening to this. I want to get into treatment into Adam's treatment place today. I mean, I'm going to hit them with the same question you hit them with. Right. When you, when someone asks you like, what kind of insurance do you got? Yeah, right. <laughs> that, that's where it starts. And then, you know, like, uh, what kind of funding do you have? Right. That's going to be the next question. So if they do have Medi-Cal, what's the process? Then they're going to call the Behavioral Wellness Access Line and do, like, a brief screening. It takes, like, 10 to 15 minutes where uh, an LMFT, a screener, is going to do what's called, like, an ASAM, which is going to basically um, help them decide what level of care that that client would go into, which is based off of medical necessity. So if they do need to be detoxed or if they... Yeah, so like right. if I'm using heroin every day, I'm using your grandma day for the past, you know, year, I'm going to go to withdrawal management. Mm-hmm. Uh, but say uh, I was in custody, I got out, I relapsed twice, uh, but I want to go to treatment because right. I'm you feeling triggered. You go, you, you're going to go to residential, right? Mm-hmm. I mean... But so once they call that number, then what happens? So then they call me. So the referral, I get an email with their referral. Is it pretty quick? I, I mean, yeah, within a couple hours. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and uh, and then I I uh, I follow up with them. A lot of times, the 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 access line is going to tell them just call over there and ask for Adam, and I and I talk to them and I get them the medical clearance form, and tell them you know go see your doctor and you need to get medically cleared and have a TB test set and read. And call me when it's in hand, and we'll talk about when we can get you in. So that's a, it's, you know, do you guys do tell them where to go get the TB test and all that stuff? Well, a lot of people, like we were talking about, it's it's kind of, it's Santa Barbara, like, area people. So right. they, they're pri- most people have, like, a primary care physician right, right. already. So they'll just go to their doctor. But, but when you were a dope fiend, did you have a primary care physician? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, no. no. So they, and, and so when I went to, and that, they told me when I went to that program the same thing that you know like uh, that I tell them is go to one of the Santa Barbara neighborhood clinics. Right. You know specifically clinic, the, the Bridge Clinic. Clinic is great. Oh right, that's uh, up near um, near the hospital. It's yeah, by, by yeah. Newhouse. Not right near Newhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, uh, so if the guy calls the screening like I don't have medical, I don't know how to get medical. How does that work? Then they have to get medical. Well, I mean, if they are eligible, obviously. Yeah, if their if their place of residence is in Santa Barbara County, I I I'm 
assuming the screen the screener would tell them to go apply for Medi-Cal. And that's a process too, right? Yeah. So do you know, like, so I'm a dopey, I don't know any money, I want to get in, I don't have Medi-Cal. Do you know, like, you know, I'm just, for someone listening, like, do you have, you can't make a certain amount of money a year or something like that, right? I don't know the specifics. Yeah, I don't know the specifics either. But I think it is, you have to make under 15 grand a year and, you know, I think most people that have jobs are making more than that, have insurance and do that. But this is really for people that are to the curb, right? Yeah, we're talking about like the the, the homeless population is yeah. really the people that that uh, that we're providing services to, or people that are like yeah that are that are doing bad, right? You know, and it is sad because there's a gap in that <clears throat> in that income level where people that are making. Twenty to sixty thousand dollars a year, and the insurance that they have, it, it's not going to cover CRC. Right, and and they make too much to come into our program. Right. You know? So it's not like okay, you're completely right. So like, you got to the curb, and then yeah, then well, yeah, I make I you know, I work at Starbucks or something, but yeah. I don't have you know great insurance. And then there's the other bougie fucking Gucci seventy grand a month Malibu do yoga and yeah. you know. Get hugs all day. That sounds, that sounds <laughs> I amazing. Go, I want to go there. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Swimming a pool and those the serve a purpose. It's I. You know, people always think I discount that. You know, yeah. I mean, both of us have kicked on the county jail floor, and it's like, yeah, that's not great. And I'm not saying, oh, that's I did that ten times and never got sober. You know, but I'm just saying it doesn't have to be hard. But there is that gap. That's a good point. Is that people that aren't completely, you know, destitute in, or that, yeah, I have a job. I just, you know, it just doesn't pay for it. But um, it still is a process. And I think you and I is what we're talking about today is we'd like to see however that would happen, you know, more grants or more, you know, rich people like giving money, you know, and it's so specific, it's nationwide, but we're here in Santa Barbara and the network the recovery network in Santa Barbara is really great, it you is. know, because I've worked with the courts, I've worked with the DAs, you know, when I had the sheriff's treatment program, all of that, it's all, it's pretty small enough, you know, but a place like LA, like you're not going to have the DA come to the heart of new house thing with judges and stuff like that, right. you know, um, but it's just on a smaller level. I think, you know, what you're doing is great. You know, I mean, do you like working in this, or is it is pretty stressful? It can be. It can be stressful. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, I like it. <clears throat> I do like it. It's it's what I wanted to do, and mm-hmm. I'm you know like, I have a great team that I work with, all really good people yeah. that are all in it for the right reasons. So it's like, uh, especially like Scotty, you know, like I get to yeah. go in there every day and work with my best friend. Know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, that's so. So cool. I mean, but are yeah, everyone it, in recovery that works there? No, you don't have to be. Yeah, but uh, at your place, are they? Not everyone. No, okay. But uh, the majority. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talk about when we go back to climate, that Scott guy was yeah. in recovery. He was a really strong Christian, and he believed. He had a great heart, he and did. he wanted to help people. Um, you know, I don't, you know, some people say it's not effective or effective if people haven't experienced that, you know. And what I tell them is, like, look, if this person's here to help you, you know, it's like the people that tell me about H&I, well, fuck, I've never been to prison. I'm like, dude, anyone that comes in and wants to give a message 
people and the convicts want to like anything. You know, we really appreciate all of that, you know. So I think, I don't know, it's, it's so weird. It's like, do people relate more to someone that it's been there? Maybe, you know, I don't know. I think so, yes, you yeah. know. But we have enough of those that, to go around, you know. I think it's all in the way that that person presents themselves. You know, like if if they come from a a place of compassion, then then I think that they're well accepted. Mm-hmm. You know, by by the clients. Yeah, uh, it's just all you know. When it comes down to like basic respect, re- yeah. like respect and compassion. If they're coming from a compassionate place, you know, and it's easy, you know, to look at some just fucking dirty dope fiend, homeless troll, you know, and like oh, like look down. But everyone has a story. Yeah. You know, everyone was a baby at some point. We just didn't get to that point because I remember even being with a non-alcoholic person. I was in uh, Seattle and, you know, there's a lot of homeless population. And and the person that I was with said, God, yeah, you know, and I'm like, dude, I, I wonder what happened there. You know, what's the story? So coming from a place of compassion and love and not being too hippie about it, but like at least knowing that this is a human being that needs help. And, you know, and having places where the, you know, they can get the help they need, you know. And so, I mean, you know, just to like kind of wrap it up, what would you in a perfect world like to see here in Santa Barbara more than you're doing already? That's a good question. I mean, I think that really just having a lot of different options for, you know, kind of all different socioeconomic levels of people, right? So every kind of, every person that is at that point, like we talked about, that says I'm ready to go right now can just go. And, you know, that might just be like a, you know, kind of like a, almost like a fairy tale right. you know but that'd be awesome right you know that that would that would be awesome i think that um without pushing anything too hard we are really lucky to have a great recovery community in santa barbara so i think that if people are shown you know the right way when they get out of treatment that that they can have a they can have a good chance of staying clean and sober here. Yeah, and I believe you know that's my dream too. If I if I'm on the phone, go okay, I'll be over there. I'll pick you guys up. We'll go to treatment. Yeah, no matter what, we'll figure it out when we get there. Yeah, because that 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 moment of like I'll go can change within five minutes, you know, or an hour. It's like you know I always say I always want I'm always going to you know kick when I'm loaded. But when I'm sick, it's hard for me to say, yeah, let's go to treatment. You know, I just want to get well first, you know. Um, The other thing is that I, you know, it's a dream that hopefully will come true is that, you know, we can get everyone treatment when they want to get it. Oh, I, I had a thought. I was just like, and the thing the listeners have to realize, if we took 100 people right now into treatment, you know, not all of them are going to get it, but we're going to put a dent in that demand for these drugs that are coming across the border or coming out from outer space, wherever they come from. But 
the demand is going to be curbed, even at the STP program, our little county jail program, the national recidivism rate is 70%, which means you let 10 people out of jail today, seven of them will be back within a six month period, you know? So in our STP program, with letting, when they get out of the STP program, go into Newhouse, go into the mission, whatever, we got it down to like under like 34%, you know? So it's almost, it was almost in half. But that's, you know, not saying we can only track them in Santa Barbara County, not in Ventura County or San Luis Obispo mm. County or anywhere else. But they, so that's what I'm saying. They, you know, it was only if we let 10 people out of jail, three and a half were going to come back. So it does work. You know, people will get it. And the other thing I was going to say is that I read a research uh, paper about what's the outcome of people that are forced into treatment, like by the courts, and what are people that volunteer for treatment? It's exactly the same. That's funny. It is funny because some people come in like all giddy and like, oh, I want treatment. Then you got, well, you got to do work. You, know, you have yeah. to work on yourself. You have to go through the steps. And like, fuck that. And they go, right? Then the other guy that's forced kicking, fuck this, you know, I'm not doing it. Then a light comes on when they're there. So you just never know. That's the thing. I never know. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm so happy for that you're doing this. You know, I love you. And, and I'm, I, you know, it just makes, it makes my heart smile to see you here. Yeah, it just and just one more one more thing. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah. You know, and it's it's cool to be sitting in this club with you. You know, whatever it is, twenty years later yeah. or something. Long time later. Um, but we're really lucky in this county because the county of Santa Barbara has this special behavioral wellness department. Like not like Ventura and San Luis don't have that. Right. You know, the bordering counties to us, and and in each one of the main cities in Santa Barbara County, so Santa Barbara, Lompoc, Santa Maria, there's treatment centers that are all Medi-Cal funded for people that, you know, really, really don't have anything. They, they, they're not working, they're, they're having a hard time and they need help. Um, so we are super lucky here that, that the county is getting involved. And with that, kind of like we talked about, the appetite for drugs that especially California has, you know, it, it's not going to change. So I, I foresee more counties getting involved and, and kind of maybe even, you know, following our lead in, in, in getting these, these Medi-Cal programs set up. And yeah, I think more and more it's just going to happen. But again, thanks for coming. Oh, yeah. I love you, man. Thanks and, for having uh, me. Likewise. All right. See you later. All right, dude. Podcast land. <laughs> I'd like to thank all the people that are involved in making this happen. Gerald Jones for producing and engineering this podcast. He's absolutely brilliant. Follow him on Instagram at Sonia HTML. His music is amazing. Maya Grace for her hair and makeup. I know what you're saying. This is a podcast. Why do you have hair and makeup? We just want to look awesome for each other. See you next time.